suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, welcome, dear listener. Episode 252 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. And, was you're looking at me strange. Am I okay? It's all coming through strange? Okay. Uh, I, of course, am Trevor the Iron Fist, and with me as always is Paul the Twelfth Man. G'day, Trevor. G'day, listeners. G'day, Was. Yes, and fast becoming a regular because... I don't know what's happened to Scott. Was uh, pulled the pin at the last minute again, and he's he's a busy boy. So um, was without any preparation has has come in at the last minute again. Good on you, was. No worries. Glad to be here. Very good. So um, and a shout out to Scott. Yes, Scott. We hope you're hanging in there, Scott. Yeah, and, Scott. Uh, staying well. Yeah. Yep. So he's working very hard and under pressure. So feeling for you, Scott. Right. Um, we've just got normal hodgepodge of different things to talk about. Not sure where we'll go, what rabbit holes we'll end up down, but um, we're going to start off with probably some freedom of speech sort of issues, I think, and see if we can get an argument happening with the 12th man. (laughs) (laughs) So um, NRL is looking at um, starting up again, and um, I don't know what it is with footballers, but they've got some crazy guys there, as if... Israel Folau wasn't enough for us. <laughs> but we've got he was to, enough for us. Yeah, he, he was. He yeah. was enough. Yeah. Um, Gold Coast back rower Bryce Cartwright is the first NRL player to reject a code-wide request to be vaccinated against the flu. This is the standard flu. And he's got to explain his stance to League Central before taking the field. And already the back rower is regarded as the code's highest-profile anti-vaxxer with wife Chanel opening up last year on Instagram about the decision not to immunise their two children. <laughs> so um, so anyway, they're going to do it on a case-by-case basis and he might be required to sign a waiver if he's, if he's not going to take the vaccination. But, you know, part of the vaccination process is not so much to protect Bryce Cartwright as to protect all of us as part of herd immunity. So he might sign a waiver for himself, but if everybody did what he did or he's going to do, then we don't have herd immunity for a standard flu. Anyway, um, last year the Cartwrights created headlines after revealing they would not be immunising either of their two young children. Chanel explained that both she and her husband had based their strong stance on widespread research inverted commas, for those not watching, uh, including a range of books by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. And Chanel says, I remember he, meaning her husband Bryce, was so defensive when I, forced, when I first brought it up and got angry at me for even suggesting that we shouldn't vaccinate. And then he read a package insert and a few pages of one of Dr. Susan Humphreys' books and saw vaccines under a different light. And now here we are. He's... He saw the light. Some Paul, kind of light. Paul, this is the danger. Why are you of, looking at me? Well, 
I don't think you're going to get an argument out of this topic. For no, we will. <laughs> well, 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 so the Redder package that said it's all, hey, bunk them. This flu stuff's dangerous. Don't do it. And, yeah. and you know, we've got somebody now refusing to, to vaccinate because of it. Uh, so that's sort of example one of, of free speech, sort of. Do we want to do something about these anti-vaxxers? And that's just sort of one everyday example of of a result that's happening because of what's going on. What do you want to do to them, Trevor? Well, well before I do that, can I just give another example? Mm-hmm. So YouTube has deleted the account of David Ike, mm. I-C-K-E. I don't know how to say it either. Icky? Yeah. I always want to pronounce David, it Icky. Yeah, let's call it David Icky. Seems appropriate. <laughs> so... He's a conspiracy theorist who has touted the myth that COVID-19 pandemic is linked to 5G mobile phone towers. you've heard. And his account was removed after YouTube decided he broke its rules on sharing information about COVID-19. So YouTube has clear policies. uh, Now, listen to this carefully. Prohibiting any content that disputes the existence or transmission of COVID-19 as described by the WHO... And the NHS. So if you don't comply with what the WHO says, World Health Organisation, or the NHS, then YouTube will take you down. Seems narrow. So um, anyway. YouTube in the UK. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's I guess for a UK-based YouTuber, I guess. Right. is Yeah, you're right. I don't know how you... How you could ban something on YouTube... In the UK and not everywhere. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, but get this, Ike, Icky, a former football player. <laughs> <laughs> New uh, rule, just stop listening to footballers. <laughs> there we go. Uh, is among <laughs> those solved. Is among those to make such false claims, the claims being about 5G causing coronavirus. <sighs> um, and he says that... Um, if you look at the situation and if 5G continues and reaches where they want to take it, human life as we know it is over. Yes, that was a bit, a bit yeah. of a dramatic conclusion, wasn't and it? And he also made the baseless claim that a coronavirus vaccine would be fitted with nanotechnology microchips, which would be used to control humans. So um, so we've got this character on YouTube. Well, Paul, is that a good idea for YouTube to block and and pull down videos that don't comply with the WHO or the National Health Service. You know what I'm going to answer, don't you? Yeah. Of course it's not a good idea. Right. And, uh, Was, are you surprised by that? Uh, no, but right. what, about, um, what about Mr Cartwright? Uh, which, what, what, what did he, he say again? So he read a package that uh, came with something. Oh, and this is the footballer. Yeah, should and, and he be books. allowed to so he's put reading, on his Instagram account? Well, he was reading Dr. Susan Humphrey's books that say vaccines are bad. Mm. So he should be allowed to say and publish whatever he likes. Should there be any warnings associated with this? Who decides what is acceptable, what is dangerous, what is not dangerous? Right. We, we all agree this. with freedom of speech, don't we? I hope well, so. Well, well... But there's a line there somewhere yeah, there's a where, line you know, where, where you're not free. Inciting violence. <clears throat> because for can a start. I, can I suggest another line? W- well, there's a number of lines. There's a defamation line that we say, you can 
you know, we say you can't defame somebody or if you do, you're going to keep getting financial penalties. So there's a few different lines that we – there's a okay. swearing line where we say if you use foul language in a situation that we as a society has decided is unacceptable, no free, free speech there either. Mm. So There's a few lines, isn't there? There is a few areas where we say – so, so we don't believe in free speech. And they change too, don't they? Because you guys would recall when you were children, you wouldn't yes. dare say fuck in the school playground, would mm, you? No. Let alone to a teacher. Mm. Some years ago There's I was... There's only one swear word left now, isn't there? I was walking through the <laughs> playground of a high school, of a state high school, yeah. <clears throat> and I observed the school principal talking and uh, standing and talking to a young girl and the young girl basically told the school principal to go and get fucked, you know. So, I mean. And that was a big deal. That was a huge No, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't a big deal for the school principal. She, it was just like water for duck's back. But can you imagine that happening when we were oh, in yeah. high school? Yeah, yeah. You know, parents would have been up in the so, principal's office, the whole works. Mm. I just want to give a couple of other examples before we keep going yeah, on, yeah. on what's allowed and what's not allowed. So. You this afternoon, Paul, sent me some YouTube links, one of which was an Ian White. Oh, yes. Who blames 5G for reducing immunity. Like Icky. Yes. And he boasts about the essential essences of native Australian Mm. flora as as having healing properties. Right? And then the other one you sent me was Jenna and her crystals, (laughs) (laughs) which should have been titled Jenna and her cleavage. (laughs) You noticed. Yes. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, because Jenna had quite a cleavage and she kept kept propping her crystals up Did at you a notice certain how, spot. How she held her crystals so between I, her chest. I think yeah. I know how Jenna between was getting her mouth. audience. I think I know how Jenna's YouTube uh, She's a very was, attractive young woman. I indeed. won't hear a bad word her, said about Jenna. No. And yes. You've got probably quite envious of her crystals. By the of course, thing. if the crystals weren't hanging on a necklace, yeah. we wouldn't I, have seen. We wouldn't have noticed the uh, uh, cleavage, yeah. would we? So let's deal with Jenna because she's the easiest one, I think, to deal with in a sense. No real harm happening there. She True. wasn't really saying don't take normal medicine and do this instead. She's just saying this will help you feel good. Yeah. Mm. So I think. In that sense, we could say Jenna's in the clear that if people mm-hmm. are silly enough to do that, they're just going to waste their money and they're not really going to harm themselves, it seemed, on the face of it with her, right? Ian White, he's blaming 5G for, well, his essential essences stuff, same thing as Jenna's crystals, and he was also blaming 5G for reducing immunity. And Is there any harm? On the face of it, no, but in the mm. UK... There's a lot of damage being done to 5G towers. Yep. Like, Van- mm, vandalism. There's, there's a lot of vandalism happening to 5G he's towers. Not, he's not inciting people to go out there and destroy the towers, is he? No, but when you say to people these things are mm. evil and are actually harming people's health, That's the, na- where the natural reaction is gets to... It's a bit grey. Yeah. So, um, but I'm prepared to err on the side of him... If you haven't actually gone out and said burn down the 5G That's towers, right. then I'm prepared to let him go. And if people are stupid enough to think that 5G is going to cause immunity issues, well, I agree with kind you. of let them think that be- I don't have a major problem so with that. So the vandals are the ones that are di- directly responsible. They are the ones who should be nabbed by the police and find mm. themselves in court. Yeah, or those who are inciting people to <clears> go out and do damage yeah. to the towers. Which- 
he yeah. evidently hasn't done. Yeah. Mm. So with Mr. Icky, um, he's the conspiracy theorist again with the towers and the 5G, same mm. thing. Um, the difficult one with that is uh, he's removed from YouTube and YouTube's got a policy that prohibits any content that disputes the existence. Oh, actually, he said something about, yeah, he's saying COVID-19 specifically <clears throat> is linked to 5G, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Both of those guys that you yep. mentioned. In the end, I don't see that that's it, likely to lead to a harmful situation. It's not going to stop situation. anyone from going yep. and getting treatment yep. for COVID-19 if they are diagnosed. Yeah. Yep. He's just going to blame. They might be upset that they got it because yeah. of 5G, but they're not, they're not going to. Yep. In a roundabout way, people might say, oh, I'm not going to do social distancing because provided I'm away from a from a 5G tower, oh, then I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. But that's a stretch. It's what about obvious. the uh, flower essences? Do you think they are harmful? Because some people might um, come down with some symptoms and rather than go and have get tested, they might just say, I'll, that's I'll take point. my flower essences. Or, or use it, get a crystal out and rub and, a crystal and, out. And a crystal. Yeah, mm, but yeah. they might avoid going to seek medical treatment. I mean, I read some years ago that, uh, you know, people were saying uh, in India there are a number of people every year who die of snake bite. Mm. And why do they die of snake bite? There's probably a number of reasons, probably not enough hospitals and, you know, properly equipped uh, clinics with anti-venine, but also um, ordinary Poorly educated people get bitten by a snake bite. They go to a faith healer instead mm. of to see a hospital, you know. Mm. And the faith healer, of course, can't save them from the snake bite. Yep. So, so but Paul, you're quite determined that no matter how wrong something is that somebody says, they should be allowed to say it. And it, they don't need to have, there doesn't need to be any warning stuff printed with it. Well, again, that comes back to teaching kids um, critical literacy, doesn't it? Mm. No, I don't think people should be shut down or restricted Media in literacy. what they say. Even well, if it's demonstrably wrong, like even the, if it's the demonstrably 5G wrong. towers. <clears throat> okay, what if they were selling something and it said made in Australia? It was actually made in China. They wouldn't dare. Well, can somebody do that? Well, you Should know, we, we have, prevent we, that free speech? Yeah, well, that's not free speech, Trevor. That's let's what? face it. That's something it's, else. That's but, that's but it's, marketing. But it's these are all marketers. No, it's demonstrably free speech, wrong. Free speech is about guidelines, the freedom to express a sincerely held opinion without fear of retribution or punishment. But, but marketing is are not, not free speech. A lot of these, a lot of these opinions. It could be proven that these people don't actually hold these opinions at all. Like you might well have, you know, taped conversations or whatever where these people go, oh, of course it's bunkum, I'm just making money out of this. But Again, I, I, I still don't think – I what, think you have to be what, very careful. What about cigarettes where we put a warning label on cigarettes and say to people, despite all of the scientific evidence that's out there and you could be very literate and you would know, mm. but we put a warning – is that an invasion of the free speech of cigarette companies that we insist on these labels on their product? It's an interesting one. And I've th I, I used to totally agree with the government, yeah, shut down the cigarette makers. I'm just recently started uh, 
reconsidering that and thinking... Mm. Well, I'm not saying shut them down, but I'm saying a yeah, warning I, on there to yeah. say this is well, going to cause you cancer. With As we know, picture. they're packets now. They don't have any brand yes. packaging or Do anything like that. you have a problem like with that? that? Look, I personally don't smoke, so it's not an issue for me, but I do think that... I, I think the government has a very good point, but I think the manufacturers also have a valid grievance that they are being restricted in selling a legal product. Now, if it was an illegal product, end of story. But it's a legal product. I mean, you know, should beer manufacturers have to put plain packaging on the beer containers because alcohol can kill you if you drink too much of it? You know, I mean, where do you draw the line? Yeah, but that's where uh, a small amount of um, alcohol does not cannot be proven to be harmful, whereas a small amount of cigarette, you know, use is obviously harmful. A small amount, do you yeah. think? Yeah. I don't like, think there's so. No, there's no good healthy amount of cigarette smoke. Like there's a good healthy amount of sugar, there's a good healthy amount of alcohol, but there is really? not a good healthy amount of t- I tobacco. I reckon there would be literally millions of smokers out there who would disagree with you. That they say, no, that first cigarette I light up in the morning. Mm. Oh, that just it feels feel good. Better. I know yeah. they say it feels so good. So it is doing them good. So in a in a in a hello in the chat room, by the way, to Kobe, Ross, uh, Justin, uh, Ricky, uh, Bat, <clears throat> uh, Bronwyn, James, uh, Ross is in there. Thank you for saying hello in the chat room. Give me some comments here for the 12th man because surely <laughs> not none of you me. agree with him on this, on any of this. But uh, um, uh, Bromman says there's no safe limit on alcohol either. Whoops. So Not if you're, uh, <laughs> not if you're pregnant, and, right. but they do have a warning right. for pregnant women. Okay. So there you go. Okay. So, uh, Paul, this, this freedom to, to just do whatever you like even if there's real risk of, of great harm to people just because it's speech, and even if we want to say, well, you can do it and you can sell it, but we want to put this warning on it, you're still not happy with a warning that advises people. My solution, unsurprisingly, is to educate kids okay. better. Mm. Really. I'm, I'm deadly serious. Uh, teach kids to question everything. I used to. I used to be a high school teacher in former life. I used to te- tell my kids, question everything. Mm. Yep. Okay. Wheat Watcher said that the sound quality is quite poor. So I've turned it up a bit, uh, <clears throat> Wheat Watcher. Tell me if that's <clears throat> better or if it's any different. So it shouldn't be too different. So let me just double check on what that's happening with the sound there. Um, it should be okay. Let me know if that's improved it or if there's issues with the sound. Okay, so we can't nail you on that one. And YouTube, no matter what rubbish people are spouting on there, no matter what conspiracy theories they're putting forward, then um, then you're okay with it. So just freedom of speech. But, I but think meanwhile... The value of freedom of speech is so uniquely important. I think it does sort of force me to say yes... As much as you might disagree with some of the things people say and as dangerous as some of them might be, I draw the line at direct incitement to violence or, or, or even destruction of property. I would probably 
even say that that would cross a line. Mm. But um, as crazy as their ideas are, so long as they don't incite people to harm others or commit, you know, violent acts, violent acts, malicious damage to property, yes, I think people should be able to say whatever they like. And then other people should be free to challenge them. Because I'm sure there's plenty of examples throughout human history where someone's had an unpopular view and uh, has, you know, Galileo comes exactly, to mind. Yes. There are probably thousands, aren't there? Yeah. Um, and he wasn't given a voice and that was overall destructive to human flourishing. Mm. It retarded it? social progress, yeah, It retarded it? social progress, yeah. yeah. The problem so, is we've just reached this point in society where there's so much misinformation going around mm. that we don't know what's the truth anymore. Yeah. We have, but I think if, really, you, if you put labels on everything, you know, you're um, encouraging people to switch their brains off. Yes. And you don't want to do that either. I, I, I don't think you want to live in a society that that's so safe where you don't have to think like, um. Yeah, I, I agree with Paul. We need to teach people how to think freely and be sceptical, have a healthy level of scepticism. Um, and, and that that's lacking at the moment, I think. And if you have warnings on everything, people yeah, just once ignore you, the warnings after yeah. a while, don't they? Well, it just lets them know that like like – at the start of a YouTube video, if you want to say that, um, or, or an anti, like the anti-vaxxer one, that that's mm. clearly leading to a dangerous result. Like you can really hurt people potentially if mm. they're not going to be vaccinated. So if you're going to produce a book and want it published in Australia, saying that vaccinations are evil and people shouldn't be doing it, then I think, and and like with that couple with the footballer. He read a package insert and a few pages of Dr. Susan Humphrey's books and saw it under a different light. And really, there needed to be a big red sticker on that book to say, the stuff you're reading inside here is complete shite and Mm. you need to look at at least this website to figure out that this person uh, is completely wrong. Aren't you halfway to book burning? Well, no, this is my compromise. sticker on the front of the book? this, This, well... This is the compromise in order to – now, they can still make up their mind. Like, they might still go, look at that, I don't – I'm not going to um, accept how, that. How would you react if you went to a bookshop and you picked up a book and first thing that stares you in the face is a warning, this book may be dangerous to you? How would you respond? Would you take that well, as I'd a – I'd like it to say this book is full of shit. As a handy it, warning? It's actually contrary to all – no and scientific advice. Or would I, you I'd take like it as patronising right. and an insult to your intelligence? Um, I would just look at it because we've had these discussions <laughs> and I'd go, great. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about flat earthers? Yeah, well, you see, flat earthers don't cause harm. So don't I'm, they? I'm, 
What about yeah. that guy that no. shot himself up yeah. in a rocket well, of course, and came down rather yeah, hard? Yeah. So, good example. So, do we, do we take all <laughs> the flat earth good example um, of flat- YouTube clips No, off? because I don't see a real harm happening from that. But with the anti-vaxxers, I do. Did the guy die from, he from did. shooting himself up yeah. in a rocket? Yeah. He but, did. But, he you know, I don't see a – I can see potential widespread harm in the anti-vaxxer movement. So, I don't see it from the flat earthers. Mm. That's, that's the difference. The, the capacity for harm. Mm. Can you think so, of any other examples? Um, we'll come across some, no doubt. <laughs> so, um, right, let's move on to Dating footballers. Yeah, they should just, have a, a warning <laughs> right, yeah. right. glued to their foreheads. Yep. If you go out with me, you might be subject to some strange uh, behaviours and ideas. Yeah. So Wheat Watcher says, who chooses what is acceptable and what is not? Well, you know, we're right now following Trevor. Scientific, Trevor does. We're, we're following scientific <laughs> advice on any number of topics. Like, can't we say scientific science, consensus is this? Again, and that's, science is not about consensus, is it? Mm. Um, Maybe you could be that guy. Which guy? Paul, you're out of work at the moment. You can, I am. You can yeah. judge everything. Oh, can I put the labels on the books? <laughs> mm. Justin says the reason for light, for warnings is stupid people do stupid things and then sue manufacturers. So, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. What is it? Is it Dar- um, Darwin's um, when, when the when the stupid people die? What's that called? Ah, uh, yeah, um, Darwin Awards. Darwin Awards. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, just briefly, we're lucky Scott Morrison is in charge, and I mean that sincerely. <laughs> This will be good. Ooh. Yep. Keep going. Because <laughs> Scotty from marketing, please use his uh, proper. Scotty from marketing. Imagine if Bill Shorten and the Labor Party were in charge and mm. they wanted to introduce the closing down of the economy the way Morrison has and, uh, dub, you know, the doubling of the unemployment benefits and the welfare that's been done. Could you imagine what? the Murdoch papers pressure would have been on, they would have just been against these things because they can't stand Labor. So mm. they would have just been anti. Laying the boot in. Yeah. yeah. So these are things that we really needed. And if if um, Labor was in power, the, the Murdoch press would be just saying, this is killing the economy, you know, we should be opening the shops four weeks ago and they'd be giving a completely different tack. But they would have done it anyway, Trevor, so... So what? Yeah, but pressure you know? counts. Like they'd be feeling the pressure to reopen things, which would be much greater than what it is now. And Do and they would be would have been harsher? and they would be swaying public opinion. Do you think seriously think the leaders of the Labor Party lie awake at night thinking about uh, what will Murdoch say in the papers tomorrow? Absolutely, they'd be crazy if they didn't. Because, mm. do you not think he influences millions of Australians? Indirectly, yes, he does. So they should be lying awake at night, worrying mm. about what he's going to do. Yeah, if they're not, they should be. Yeah. But look, what happened when during the GFC when the Rudd government introduced a package, and evidently it saved the economy. Yes. What did I don't remember? But how did the Murdoch press react to that? Murdoch, Morrison, everybody said this is way too extravagant. This is going to ruin. We'll all be ruined. And they did it anyway. They did. So why wouldn't they do the same thing now? So you don't think the Labor Party would feel the pressure and might do things differently because of pressure? They might actually revel in it. You've got a very high opinion of them. They they might actually revel in it and say, 
there, we're sticking it to Murdoch and we're doing it anyway. To be fair, though, the, I've seen some articles in The Australian that have criticised Morrison for being too strict with the lockdown and not taking it off early. So Yeah, I've been surprised. They haven't been totally supportive. Yep. Um, but, yeah, do you think under Bill Morrison we would have been in a New Zealand-style Lockdown? Uh, under Bill, Mar- Bill Shorten, Bill we, Shorten, we would have been under a new... Uh, That's my last beer. Look, I don't know how much... Look, I reckon they would have possibly gone a lot earlier with what... Earlier and harder? Like, they made some really bad mistakes, yeah. the Morrison. So when it first came out, what they did was offered um, just a bunch of money to small and medium businesses on the basis of please don't sack your staff. But the businesses do their sums and go, that's not nearly enough to cover my payroll. So I'll take the money, no strings attached, thank you very much. Oh, your business is doing fine, doesn't matter, here's the money. Like that initial $25 was a lot of money that was given to businesses who were doing fine and like I received a cheque and I'm doing fine because lots of people are buying art supplies. But Looked in my account, very nice sum of money. Thank you very much, mm. given without <clears throat> question. Then what they did was they increased the unemployment benefits and they said to um, the employers, please don't sack your staff. Well, but we've just increased the unemployment benefits, so the, the employers are going to go, well, you know, they're going to be on an okay deal now. Oh, I don't feel so bad in sacking my staff. Mm. It was then only in the third step where they then said to the employers, oh, here's some money for the staff to keep them on. But by that stage, it was too late. Like Mm -hmm. other countries went straight to the people who had lost a job and said, here's some money. So, Mm. um, Which is how it happened in the GFC. Critical errors. The Uh, Rudd government paid money directly into individuals' bank accounts. They did, uh, small amounts, but they also... um, did the schools and the pink bats and all that sort of stuff. Mm, so, that's yeah. true. So, um, so anyway, I just think if a Morrison was not in charge and if it was Labor, the pressure from the Murdoch stable, I do, you don't think, well, A, do you think the Murdoch stable would have been anti a lot of the things that they're not anti now? Do you think they would have sung a different tune? Like they've been quite supportive of a lot of this, but do you do – you, you honestly think that they would be singing the same tune that they're singing now? No, it's not that. It's just that I think you put too much store in what Murdoch thinks, you know. I mean, he doesn't but, run the country. But Okay, He's so you, you can government. I get to this point? You agree that he would have been less supportive of these moves? I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what Murdoch thinks. Seriously. He... Okay, well, he hates Labor. And he loves conservative governments. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what he thinks. Like that's what he thinks. And <laughs> he wants conservative governments in power and he wants Labor out of power. So he would paint a picture that whatever Labor was doing was it's complete bad. shit, yep. which he did with yep. Kevin Rudd mm-hmm. and the stimulus, which every economic expert in the world said, well done. Yes. But so we know, so can we agree that we know what Murdoch would do in a general thematic sense, that he would be bagging Labor and criticising these programs? No doubt. Okay. So in that situation where you've got, Murdoch's got influence over a lot of Australians, Mm -hmm. he can sway opinion polls. Mm -hmm. 
And when an opinion poll comes out and says, do you think the government has given too much money? With Murdoch forcing the agenda, that that opinion poll would be quite different. And, yeah. it would, and the government would then, a shortened government, would have been thinking, I can't do everything we wanted to do because we can't get this done politically. We'll, we'll start to lose votes because Murdoch has convinced people that we're irresponsible. Irresponsible, mm. reckless spending that is going mm. to cripple Australia forever. You they said the same thing last time. But, but they don't say and that. And Labor about, didn't get thrown yeah, out. But here's my point. They don't, they're not saying that about Morrison now. He's not mm. under pressure. He can give $25 billion, $65 billion, $90 billion, like $130 billion. Mm. So you don't think there'd be... Uh, so you, do you I not think uh, that the government would be giving away you, as much you, money? You don't... You don't think it'd be a lot harder for the government to have done it if it was short and in charge? Okay. You can disagree with me. Oh, I think it would have been I think they would have done it anyway. Does Murdoch have influence in New Zealand? I uh, don't know. Hmm. Good question. Tell me in the chat room. Um, Does Murdoch control yeah, the New Zealand papers? I don't know. But, you know, he controls every... Paper in Queensland, every, every printed he does. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I didn't realise that until recently. But yeah. you're right; he has much more significant influence up here. Where in a federal election, Queensland is a, a vital state to win, and mm. he controls all the main newspapers up here. But, but he's yeah. controlling the ABC now. What insiders? You've been watching it. Who Murdoch's controlling the ABC? Yes. Have you been watching Insiders? Do you know, I don't like the new compare as much as the old one, and right. so I tend not to watch it as religiously. You become resistant to right. change when you get old. <laughs> this comes from, uh, this, this article comes from Alan Austin, writing in Independent Australia. He's very good, Alan Austin. And he's saying an intriguing development is happening in ABC Insiders. So we pay for it with our tax and... It's become, he says, a vehicle for the rehabilitation and promotion of Rupert Murdoch's tawdry media empire. Take the April 19th episode. It opened with a montage of the past week's television news and featured Murdoch's logo, Sky News, along with Sunrise, Today, SBS and 7.30, implying these are equally reputable. <laughs> I think then, Sky News is far more reputable than SBS. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely not. Then followed a sequence of eight print articles introduced with Let's See What's Making the News, and seven of the eight were from News Corp publications. Really? So the ABC insiders, their talking points are based on what's happening in News Corp publications. So then the three studio guests included two current Murdoch people, Annika Smethurst at the Daily Telegraph and Greg fucking Sheridan at The Australian why does Greg Sheridan get a Guernsey on the Insiders and on Q and A and these ABC programs? Like he's because just, he's a a reputable he's foreign a, policy he's commentator. He's a nutbag. Well, not he, entirely. He's, not, he, he, he's the one who said in relation to the U, US and Iraq that the American eagle is soaring gro- gloriously over the Iraqi territory. Like. He's, it's a rhetorical not, flourish, but he's, he's actually no, a pretty astute observer. He's completely of wrong. Foreign policy. Actually. No, he's completely wrong. He Disagree. is so pro American. He is, as Ross says in the chat room, he's an ass clown. Is what, <laughs> no, he's, he, but, but, okay, agree to disagree. I've seen worse. I, no. Much, much worse. His readings of it is so pro American, oh, it makes me ill. But 
he, he's what's wrong with off, being pro-American? But he's wrong. Like he oh, declared Jesus. that the American eagle is soaring over Iraq and yeah, the world's well, a wonderful place. That's like, a dumb thing to say. I don't well, agree with everything well, Sheridan says by any means. In fact, you know, he he wrote a book about. Christianity, for goodness sake, and I totally disagree with him on that. There you go. But when I listen to him speak in a group of, particularly on a panel on Mm. Q&A, he's often the most uh, articulate, perceptive person on the panel. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't think you would get invited back to Insiders, though. Did, Did you watch it? I didn't know. I, I I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. At the end, they open it up and they say, is there anything you'd like to say? And apparently Greg Sheridan gave them a serve about their handling of George Pell. Something like that. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah he's a defender of but George He'll Pell. be invited back on again. Um, so, But don't uh, you think it's, there's value in having a diversity of opinions on any panel like that? Why so would, why wouldn't you invite what, people from other media organisations? It's um, in the first 12 Insiders episodes since Spears' arrival of ho- as host, have featured 36 guest appearances. Of those, 12 have been current News Corp employees and another four recent departees. So what? So 44% of the insider guests are from the News Corp stable. So what? It doesn't sound balanced. They've got to come from somewhere. The News Corp (laughs) stable is Fox News. Would you alternatively? You would not invite... Uh, 44% of your guests to be ratbags from Fox News. Why are they ratbags? Just because they work for Fox News, you know? Well, you have to be. Oh, you, don't get a jo- you don't get a Guernsey. You don't get freedom of speech on Fox News. You can't come out and say something that doesn't toe the party line. I mean, you think the Communist Party forces people to toe the party line. <laughs> you haven't seen anything. Oh, you really? Watch Alan Murdoch. Fox News is the new Communist Party of the world. We've got two arguments from two. You're going well, Trevor. Right, okay. <laughs> I'd have so, no, well, look, you know, I mean, Trevor, I've long been a big fan of the ABC and a supporter of the ABC. I have to say in recent years I get repeatedly disappointed with the ABC and even more with the SBS. Now, that is the political correctness uh, television station. It really is. Everything on that. On SBS. That, SBS. Yeah. Everything's about being politically correct these days. It's yeah. a shocker. So ABC has some work to do. So I don't think we should necessarily. I, they should be getting experts to talk about topics. Yes. And they should be getting ABC journalists to talk about topics. And when when uh, the Murdoch stable starts inviting 44% of their panellists from the ABC, then they might think about sharing it. But there's no point. Like, what these people are just going to run a hard right-wing line that, I th- that they do not because they believe it but because... Well, actually, I probably do believe it. Do you think they're getting invited on or are they forcing their way on? Well, David Spears is ex-Sky <laughs> News, so he's yeah. from the, the, yeah, the Murdoch no, no stable. Question, but, but you're and, implying. Are they forcing their way on or are they? Yeah, you're, no, they're invited. Being, they're being invited. They're this, is the pro- this is the problem. Yeah. They're actually being invited. That is the precisely the problem. So ABC should not be inviting them. Aren't you implying that anyone who works for any organisation other than the ABC and SBS are just – not real journalists and not worth listening to. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that everybody in the Communist Party is <laughs> is a uh, is is a communist? Uh, that's a 
strange question. Well, well, They'd have well, to be, wouldn't they, by definition? Well, thank you. <laughs> I rest my case. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. But if, there if are a lot of journalists. A right-wing Fox. They all need network, a job, Trevor, and they can't all get jobs at the ABC. And if you want to keep your job, you toe the party line. Oh. You have this. You don't think they do that on the ABC? Really? Uh, they may well do. I think they do. But um, more difficult for the ABC being a public service to to sack people. So you've got more security of tenure at the ABC than you would in private enterprise. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Trevor because I want to get invited back onto the <laughs> oh, show. Oh, what? Sly. <laughs> Please. I, I, I want. I'd, I'd be. Um, upset if you got Greg Sheridan on here next week. Oh, no, let's invite Greg Sheridan. That's a good <laughs> idea, Warren. All right. <laughs> Let me finish off. Um, there is no need. This is from uh, Alan Austin who said that um, there's no need for the ABC to reference anything from News Corp, certainly not as being a key source of information. Australia has more than 30 important media organisations. It is itself a well-resourced generator of news and news analysis, Murdoch's minions are entirely dispensable. I agree with you, Alan Austin. Do you want the ABC to become this insular, self-contained, you know, group of people who are just pissing in each other's pockets no, all the time? I, I don't think Trevor's saying that. I think he's just saying that if there's 30 organisations out there, that half of them shouldn't come from one organisation. There's lots of, like, there's lots of great independent Bloggers, for example, like mm. we're referring to people from the John Menadue blog, mm-hmm. Alan Austin, I've just mentioned. There's, yeah, there's all sorts of interesting so people out there. Why don't they, they can... invite those people? Well, why? I agree. Why? Yeah. What's going it's, on? It's lazy. That, what's going on in the background that we're not aware of? Like, it's lazy. And is there, is there... what? What I suspect happens. I reckon the Murdoch stable reaches out to them a lot and says, "Hey." You want Greg on? He's available next week. So they're pushing their way on there. And if you're a lazy producer and you're thinking, oh, what are we going to do next week? Oh, we can get get this guy. Like it saves your phone call. It's like, oh, well, you know. Isn't it more interesting to have a a range of people on a program like that? You don't want everyone. Yeah, I don't think Trevor's saying not to have a range. I want a range, but I want some expertise. Yeah, he's saying appropriate balance, right? Yeah. Sheridan's been in the game a long time. It's not mm. as if he doesn't have the and expertise. And I don't think Trevor would mind Sheridan being on there. It's the it's all the other Murdoch journalists that come with him. What about right? Spears? If, if it was, do you think he does a good job? Because I personally find his interviewing style grating because mm. he talks over the person he's interviewing all the time, mm. and I find that annoying. Mm. Hey, Murray, thanks for the tip, saying that my mic is too high. So tell me if this is any better, Murray. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with the sound on this episode. So anyway, we'll try and sort that out. But maybe we're just shouting at each other because we're really <laughs> angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you've all signed up for Flu Tracker. So um, you haven't signed up yet, have you? No. Anyway, just the normal flu uh, symptoms, roughly point. Two of a percent are um, are showing as having just normal flu symptoms, whereas normally at this time of year it would be about one point five percent. So just normal flu symptoms down oh. because of being so careful. Well, we should have a lockdown every year. Then yeah, we should yeah. saves <laughs> lives. Okay. Um, now that movie we mentioned last week, Michael. Moore, oh, the the doco, yeah, yeah. the documentary, uh, Planet of the Humans. Yes, I came across an article mm. from the Guardian. Critical. 
Yeah. Basically. As you'd expect in The Guardian, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good balance. Yeah. Um, Have you ever actually had a good look at all the people who write for The Guardian? Some of them are pretty far out there, I can tell you, mm, yeah. on the left. Yeah. But that's good, isn't it, Paul? Yeah. It's good to have balance, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, why, why doesn't the ABC invite 40% of its panellists from The Guardian? Well, mm. they do invite some people from The Guardian. Um, but not, not half. Catherine Murphy, she yeah. works for The mm. Guardian. Uh, and there's another good female journalist who works for The Guardian. They, the Guardian does have some good journalists, don't mm. get me wrong. But they have a lot of uh, loony left as okay, well. I'm turning, yeah, I'm, 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 okay, I've turned Paul down as well now, Murray. Oh. Tell me how he sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read that article and, um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I, I did watch the doco and I must admit the whole way through I was very sceptical mm. of what was being put in front of me. I'm very sceptical of anything that uses very emotive language and music and very emotive footage. It's manipulative, um, isn't it? Yeah, I just feel like I'm being violated some <laughs> way, you know. Like if you've got a strong enough point, you can just present the facts and the data and let mm. the people who are watching it make their own minds up. But when it's when it's being put on you in that really emotional way, it's my, yeah, my defences just go up straight away. And, and that Guardian article... Did the research on yes. the on the documentary? What surprised me about that was the fact that the footage is a little bit old. A little bit. It's a, it's ten years old. I at know. Least. That's crazy, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? To make a documentary just, and then yeah, and then sit, sit on, on it for, for ten so years. Long. And yeah. I, I didn't realise that when I watched it, mm. and I was a bit sort of shocked when I read that that they would actually go ahead and then release it without. It's very manipulative. Uh, yeah, without letting us know that mm. it's, it's a little bit dated, the information they have. As I was watching the documentary, I was thinking, we're not getting any sums here. They're not saying mm. it costs X amount to build this windmill mm. and it lasts X number of years or it costs X amount for this. There, there were no facts and figures. It yeah. was, um, that's what was lacking there, which made me yeah. dubious about it at the time. Yeah. yeah. So... There but it still makes some valid people, people respond to stories and narratives, don't they? They, they don't mm, yes. like numbers and graphs. Yeah. Um, I do, but mm. I'm weird. Mm. But you're a freak. Yeah. Mm. Murray, how's this volume now? Tell me how the sound is going. I think it might be better. So, But so. what about the general thrust of the doco, Trevor? The, you know, the, the message that so-called renewables aren't everything they're presented as. Yeah, well, without the... With, you see, a lot of the information was from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've come a long way in building solar panels from mm. 10 years ago. They're still made of the same materials, though, aren't they? No. Aren't they? So they'd be improved materials and improved... Improved like, efficiency. Yeah. But they're yeah. still made of toxic materials yeah. and lots of glass yeah. and very difficult to recycle. Mm. So what happens to them at the end of their service life, which is apparently around 20 years? Uh, they lose, what is it, 1% efficiency yeah, every you, year? you've got to look at the total lifestyle cost. So after 20 years, it's lost 20% of its efficiency, at which point they judge to, it to be no longer economically viable. So mm. they, they trash it and replace it with a new one. But in another 50 years of technological advancement, 
they might last a hundred years. Um, okay, they might. Yeah, it, it it needed facts and figures. It needed yeah. them to say it costs us X amount, and in return we get this. But we never got any of those mm. facts and figures. Mm. So, but they were using a lot of. Uh, I mean, they, there was a football field of solar panels, and they were talking about how much it would generate. But that mm. that was eight or <clears> ten <throat> years ago, mm. so it wasn't relevant to. What, and they didn't propose, what you can get from a football field of solar panels today. They didn't propose any real solutions except for, you know, population management. Yes. Which yep. is flawed. I mean, yep. you could make a documentary to say that that's not the answer either. Yeah. So they were just very critical without being constructive. In any well, way. Michael Moore made the point. He said, look, the point of the exercise was to get people, people thinking. And talking, yeah. And talking. And he succeeded. Mission accomplished. Mm. Anyway, so that was that. And um, now, still on, well, sort of let's move on to America. So America, there's some really apocalyptic things yet to happen in America. They're, they're talking about like stopping all of their social distancing, reopening all of their apocalyptic, shops. Apocalyptic, Trevor? Yes. Is that, a, is that a bit dramatic? Is that an appropriate word to use, Trevor? I mean, really, on a, a well-balanced program like this one? <laughs> yes. Yes. Genuinely okay. apocalyptic. Like, apocalyptic, right. Yeah. Where would you call people rioting in the streets uh, in in 50 different states uh, apocalyptic? Like, no. I, 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 you wouldn't. No. Oh, like, widespread rioting and looting will... They won't. No. Rioting and looting. No, but I said it's yet to come. Oh, I see. Because okay. they're talking about reopening of their businesses, despite the fact that they haven't got this under control at all. Mm. So mm. essentially coronavirus is just going to run through the system. For better and, or worse. Yeah. And um, I think they're in for a hell of a time mm. in terms of just... I think it is overstated, though, that rioting. I mean, I think journalists go looking for those people and they give them a lot more airtime. Only if they work for Sky News. Did, did you see the rioting at, in the Michigan Capitol building? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, the guys with the guns? Yeah. and the, Trying to force their way into the You know, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a quiet, friendly protest and then they see the cameras turn up and they go, you beauty, let's do something really stupid so we can get our heads on telly. Like, but <laughs> these are guys with... Um, Mohawk haircuts. Um, yeah. they're, they're, they're straight out of some um, dystopian Mad Max movie. Have in you their watched appearance. Tiger King? No, no, I refuse to. <laughs> but, well, that'll, but, that'll give you a very good insight into uh, America. So they're you know, fully armed and, and with assault, these types of people. They're armed with assault rifles. Here. Yeah. They're looking really mean and scary. Yeah. Many of them wearing um, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, yet, and they've stormed. The Parliament House in Michigan yeah. demanded access because they want the place opened up again. Is that what's motivating them, though? I think what's motivating them is they just want to get on TV. Um, like, and if you watch The Tiger King, you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so many people in America just want to be famous. You know, They just want their 15 seconds No, of these fame. guys were angry and they want the laws changed to reopen the country. Like, seriously, that's... That's what they said they wanted. That's yeah, why they were there. But just they because they're their, saying that doesn't mean they, they want their mean that. freedom. Mm. So, but are you extrapolating that 
over the entire US population because I think they're a pretty small minority, yeah. those crazies, frankly. Uh, and they're given a lot more airtime. It's a big country with a large population. So in absolute numbers, there's a lot of them. If you, if mm. you transplanted them to Australia, you'd really notice them. Mm. But they're a small percentage. See, of we're only population. in the early days. We're only in the early days for America of this virus. Mm. And you've got 50% of Americans do not have $500 spare in the bank. Oh, and they don't have any income. And they're going to be kicked out of their homes, and and they're not going to be able to eat. So they're going to start looting because they're hungry. Fifty percent of Americans, and if the they might lose if, some weight. Yeah, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends what they like to eat. I've got um, I've got a link to an article here. Um, Gene Wickham's two sons are in college. Her husband has worked at the same New Jersey casino for 36 years. She recently felt secure enough to trade her full-time casino job for two part-time gigs that came with an expectation of bigger tips. The coronavirus shut everything down in Atlantic City and put 26,000 people out of work. She's worked since she was 14 years old and has never had to rely on anybody until now. So her minivan was one of thousands of vehicles... This is in Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Thousands of vehicles that snaked as far as the eye could see one morning last week, 10 miles west of Atlantic City. The promise of fresh produce and a 30-pound box of canned food, pasta and rice from a food bank drew so many cars that traffic was snarled for nearly a mile in three directions, leading to five accidents. And this person says, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose my house. I feel like a failure right now. So about 1,500 emergency meal kits were distributed to casino workers in just under three hours. Um, Once all the kits were gone, many cars remained and circled around the abandoned mall where food was being handed out, where it had been handed out. Those drivers were given a five-pound bag of onions, three (laughs) red cabbages and one green cabbage. We it's have going to be reached, a bit smelly in their households for the next we, couple of weeks. We have reached the situation where Americans are relying on handouts of onions and cabbages. Mm. If does that sound <laughs> like Soviet Russia during a crisis <laughs> yes. to you? Handouts of bags of onion and cabbages and warm blankets. Wow, <laughs> I just I just think that's a, a sign of what's going to happen mm. in that country. I just... I saw a... Speaking of docos, I saw a doco the other day um, of some what they term survivalists mm. in America. You know, these people who have got oh, their yeah. house all I've, stocked I've heard about them. Yeah. food for when the catastrophe comes yeah. and they'll be ready. Yeah. These people were absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I mean, seriously bonkers. Yeah. They had about... They had years of food. Yeah. stocked up, you know, like preserved food and canned food and and they they had built their house like almost like a fort, you know, so they could defend it from yeah. attack. Yeah. And then it wasn't just this husband and wife, their their kids and extended family were part of the part of the plan. They also had a bus yeah. and some trailers and stuff so that if they couldn't, you know, defend the homestead yeah. They were going to load up the bus and all the other vehicles and drive off into the sunset with their stocks of food. And do you yeah. think they, 
You think there's something wrong with that? I think they're absolutely bonkers. What do you think? If I lived in America, I'd be a prepper. <laughs> I would well, be. There's a reality I would TV be a show. That's based what they call on, them, preppers. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a Thanks, whole re- yep. reality TV show series actually, yep. and they'd go to a different prepper's house. But mm. again, my skepticism kicks in there, and I think, is this just for TV? Do they, are these yeah. are these people real or? And you know, the problem with reality clearly TV they enjoy is having the real. camera, don't they? They you enjoy know, showing everybody how how smart they are and how yeah. how well prepared and how good they but are. But I, I I'd go a step further to think that. These are just people that are uh, not preppers. They're just being paid to act so they can get their heads on TV. If only there was a warning prior to it that this was false information. <laughs> what a great idea, and Trevor. Not to trust it because <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> That'd be great. Or just... That should just be something that you, you get a get listeners get a warning sticker and just put it on top of your TV and just yeah. have it there permanently. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, the other interesting thing that's happening at the moment is oil is so cheap that the USA is thinking of invading the USA. Like that's how cheap it is. <laughs> okay, I'm going to um, put something in the freezer. Yep, um, it's that cheap. Look, one of the reasons why I'm so skeptical about the future of America with this thing is. It's just the nature of American culture is so much pro-individual and liberty that they're not prepared to accept limitations to their liberty that might be for the greater good. Mm. And this virus demonstrates a time when you need to curtail your liberty Mm. and accept some restraint for the greater good. And Mm. they're just not going to wear it. They just won't wear it. It's been so ingrained into American psyche. And yet most Americans have worn it, Trevor. Most Americans have observed the, you know, social distancing. Yeah, that's that's my observation as well. So it's a minority of cranks. There's a limit to it with Americans compared to other cultures. Like inherent in their culture is this, you know, the sort of protests we've been seeing, I've only seen in one other place, which is Berlin. I haven't seen any other country protesting like Americans have mm. for their freedom. So There was a guy in, on an Australian beach who went for a swim and ran away. <laughs> he evaded the cops for a few minutes at least, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. He was protesting and he said so after he was, he was interviewed. He said, somebody's got to stand up for, for our, our right to use public beaches, mm. you know. Mm. Here's a question for you, Trevor. Do yes. you think... The media, by by showing these people, is doing the country a disservice. Showing the protesters? Mm. Uh, no, they have to show it. Like that's just something. But isn't there a show. danger in showing people? It might give them give, sort of encourage a, them. No, there's an equal uh, benefit in people realizing what's happening and to be able to do something about it to stop it happening. So, no, it's not like an anti-vaxxers fake news, it's actually the truth mm. and so it's, com- it's completely different. Who decides what's the truth? Well, if you're showing video of people storming the Capitol building and you haven't doctored the video, mm. then it is the truth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you haven't that, doctored the video but yeah. just the fact that the TV is put in front of these people, it changes their mm-hmm. behaviour, it amplifies their behaviour. Uh, I, I, I just not I think, following. I think it I'm just certainly does look, that. Americans love the camera, but these people are doing it. They're prepping because they want to prep, 
they're storming the capital because they want their freedom. And if the camera's there, they'll mouth off and give their opinion. But mm. um, I think it's pretty obvious they're doing it for the reasons that they say they're doing it. I don't think you need to look for Do you remember the protests publicity. in Hong Kong? Mm. And I don't know if it's true, but we were told at the time that the mainland Chinese media were not showing what was happening in Hong Kong throughout the rest of the country. They didn't want people. You'd expect them to do that. They didn't want people to see that people could actually go out in the street mm. and protest against the government. Mm. Mm. Does that surprise you? That doesn't surprise you. No, it doesn't surprise mm. me. But don't you think it's uh, potentially dangerous to show people that they can actually stand up to the government and protest? Um, Might give them. Bad ideas. They might break the rules. No, I don't see the analogy as stacking see, up. See, my, my distrust in the media is such that I would actually think that these American journalists would be egging these people on. You know, in they, Egg they, Harbour, right? Hey. In, yeah, in, Egg in, Harbour. It was Egg Harbour, New, Jer- <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Egging them on in Egg Harbour. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, that's, that's plausible, right? I mean, they, they want to they get the scoop. They want to get the their stuff going viral it's like they turn it's, up and there's not a protest happening you just try and get have a look at going. The, have a look at the footage and i think mm. you'll go okay this was just mm. people ready to write and mm. they were doing it for their own just because that's the beauty of video is you can mm. look at it and get a sense of it so mm. um particularly when you see people who aren't looking at the camera and are all are just doing what they want to do. Mm. Um, I don't think it's publicity driven. Mm. So, do you know what crossed my mind when I saw it? I was, I was thinking, you know, all these guys with guns, and they they looked really angry. And and as we know, they were trying to force their way into the legislative chamber, whatever they call it there. Mm. I don't think the police actually allowed them to get that far, did they? No, they didn't actually get in. Um, what would happen? What would happen if they got in? If they actually pulled out their guns and started saying, let me in or else, you know, and then the police would have to respond to that threat. Mm. Um, well, put it this way. If they were brown people doing exactly what these guys did, they'd all be dead now. Do you really think so? Absolutely. Do you really think not? I really think not. No. Okay. What, what were they going to do okay. once they broke into this building? I mean, just let them in and then they'd stand in the building and go, what now? Like, you're not going to, they're not going to. They'd probably well, just get into a shouting well, match. Well, with the well they were waving the their guns and they were saying, we want the laws changed, open up our economy again. And so, they're waving their guns, their but, semi-automatic weapons. Yeah. Some of the members of parliament had their bulletproof vests on. Mm. Oh, did they? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So... But no, so, seriously, so shooting a member of parliament, that's not going to help you with your no, quest but threatening, to get... but threatening and saying there's a mad group, you guys need to change the laws. It's a threatening action. Mm. So, and absolutely, if they were brown or black, they would have been mowed down and dead. No, I agree. They wouldn't, Trevor, because... Yeah, sorry, was you agree with me? Can you imagine agree, the backlash? Yeah. You agree with me? Yeah, can I come on next week? <laughs> <laughs> But, don't, I mean, imagine that in Australia. Crazy, you know. The police would be gun on the ground now, you know. I mean, it's mad, isn't it, that they're allowed to storm 
a, a, a legislative uh, chamber armed with assault rifles. It's just mm. crazy, isn't it? Mm. Maybe that's what we should do next time. We want laws changed. Probably not your best thought tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, China, we're always talking about. China. Let's, let's go back China. to China. I was thinking about China and I made some notes which you looked at which caused you to do some study. So here I are the did. notes that I made. I did do a little because bit. Because think about China and <clears throat> uh, clearly they're not communist. Like What? It's, 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 it's Chinese Communist Party. It's... You know, well, communism uh, is the state ownership of capital, and there's Means there's production. There's a million millionaires in China. Like mm. it's it's there's no way you, it's a market economy that's privately owned. Mm. Now you might have to be a member of the Communist Party to to help your chances of owning it mm. privately, but for all intents and purposes, market economy with a large degree of private ownership, like that disqualifies you as a communist country. That's an interesting point. I don't know. Do you think it, it does actually dis- disqualify you from well, calling yourself a communist? Well, 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 that's the essence of communism yeah. is, is state ownership, common ownership of capital. Yeah, mm. of the means of production. Democracy and voting is nothing to do with communism and capitalism. That's, that's an entirely separate question. Mm. So... Um, so when we're looking at China and you, you know, go off about how it's a totalitarian, um, authoritative state that's terrible, right? Okay. And, and I want to talk about, I want to look at democracy because um, if you look at China, <clears throat> it seems to me that you've got the Chinese Communist Party, which some people choose to join, and they work their way up through alliances and backstabbing and political... Machiavellian. And we have a number, don't we? What did you so, say, 6%? Um, I, think, uh, I think it was 6 to 10% are six members of the Communist Party. Yeah. So the, yep. population. The, the figure that's usually available for yep. members of the Communist Party in China is 90 million, yep. which is roughly 6 point something percent of the total population. Yep. If but, you're not in the Chinese Communist Party, you're really not in the game as yep, far okay. as politics. So goes. factions are formed. Some within the party would be there'd be differences of opinion. Some would be left in the sense of left in China. Some would be right in the terms of right. Like there'd be different policy priorities of different groups who would form factions and would promote mm-hmm. people within their faction, no mm-hmm. doubt. That's just how politics works. Yeah. So the Communist Party decides who the candidates are and ordinary people don't have a say in mm-hmm. that process of who the candidates are going to be. In Australia, basically we've got politically motivated people join a party, which would be way less than 6% mm. are actual members of political parties. Yes, but all adults over 18. Like it was 0.6%. But let me just finish, Paul. Okay. And to some extent it operates like the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> in that um, but we just get to decide which of two communist parties we want. We don't get to choose the candidates. So not even ordinary members quite often get to choose who the candidates are. Like I think this Eden Monero by-election coming up, there's sort of complaints that head officers said, well, the candidate is going to be this one, and the local branch members went, well, hang on, aren't we supposed to decide that? And I said, not in this case. So, Mm. so, um, so, okay, it's kind of these 
who the candidates are mm. is is basically determined by people who are in the party mm-hmm. and who are in the system and mm. um, and basically they're put up in front of us and in communist China it's a very similar thing that a party decides the only difference with us is we've got a couple of communist parties parties to choose from ultimately but that's there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, there is a lot of similarities. In, At the party in, level, there's similarities, but the and, huge and, and, and significant and, difference and, and, is, Trevor, you don't have to be a member of one of those parties to run for election in but Australia. Do you have to to win. Look, largely, mm. Jackie yes. Lambie. L- largely, yes. So overwhelmingly, yes. To form government, you have to be a member of one to win, and to have any influence, you have to be one. Um, except, has influence. except in the in the luckiest of circumstances, too much. <laughs> so, and arguably that's an undemocratic system because Tasmania, despite its small population, gets as much senators as a senators, state with yeah. a larger population. So it's actually undemocratic mm. um, that's allowed that that to happen. But my point is that uh, in China, the Communist Party decides who it's going to be in charge, and the ordinary person doesn't really get a say, and it's a select group who join the party and decide to be politically motivated who decide. The same thing happens here. It's not exactly the same, though. Not exactly, but not that far off. Yeah, it's similar. It's very similar. Yeah, but you're talking about it at the party level. I'm looking at the whole system, you know, the whole whole system. I'm looking at it from the whole, from from an outside view and saying realistically you... If you want to have influence, you have to be an inside man in the party. And you've just got two parties to choose from, Labor or Liberal. What about the and, Greens? And in the and in the communist China, if you want to have influence, you've got to be in the party. There's just one party. That's but, right. but it's a bit, you know, there's a lot more similarities than what you'd think. I think the difference is greater than the similarity. Well, I think it's uncomfortably similar more similar than what people think. And given that there's this large private enterprise, a million millionaires, more billionaires probably than any other country. I don't know the latest statistics. It's, it's um, just capitalism. So Trevor's mm. spelled out the similarities. What are the, what are the differences? The differences yeah. are that you don't have to join one of the major parties in Australia to run for election and you can get elected. And we've seen a number of examples of people who weren't affiliated, mm. at least not too closely, with the But they have parties. that in China as well? There's, no. There's lots of different parties. There are, as we as we discussed before the podcast yeah. this evening, but they they don't go anywhere because they're yeah. not allowed to go anywhere because the Communist Party will often they have the majority will often stop ordinary people from even running for election by disqualifying them at the outset. Right. You know. Oh, okay. Do you see? So yeah. they just don't have a chance. Mm. The party runs the whole show. Mm. Whereas in Australia, I mean, for, you know, it's, it's possible. I know it's hard, but it is possible to get elected. Jackie Lambie apparently got a mortgage on her house initially to get enough money for her campaign, but it paid off beautifully and she was elected and now she's on, what is it, 190000 a year mm. before tax? Overwhelmingly, the members of parliament are party people who we know nothing about, who've done nothing special, but they've just worked their way through the system. In, in Australia, you mean? Yes. Mm. And just picking up the odd 
exception, like the Jackie Lambie, um, just sort of proves my point. It's an odd exception, but overwhelmingly the majority are just party machine people. But there have been mm. others, you know. There have been others, as we know. There's always a, a trickling of, you know, a sort of a few people. There's mm. been... I'm just thinking... Who else? I'm thinking Bob, Hanson, Bob of course. Catter, right? And Catter. They used to be part of the, uh, well, Pauline was part of the Liberal. She Pauline originally joined originally, the Liberal Party and was thrown yeah, out because she said a, something about Aboriginal people. And Catter was national. He was. And they both broke away and formed their own parties. Do you think that's possible in China? No. <laughs> in the world. They'd go missing. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what would happen to them, but they would go absolutely nowhere. Yeah. You know, there was that guy North Coast, uh, um, not Kofsaba, um You know, the independent that was in government at the time of Julia Gillard, mm. uh, and 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 the guy Tony Don't, Windsor from Tony, Tamworth. Tony Windsor. Yeah. Tony Windsor's mate from the north coast of New South Wales. Mm. So there's been a few. Someone of them. in the chat room will be able to Google that. Yeah. Just, just anyway, a handful. They do pop up. Just a handful. And they do have influence, as we know. Those guys had a lot of influence. Mm. In right. the communist system, they would never have appeared. We haven't bashed Catholics much lately. Oh, shall so we? Just launch into <laughs> Catholics. The listener always raised a Catholic, by the way. Um, just as a, actually, I'll jump into that one before I bash them. Um, Resigning as a Catholic. It's difficult, mm. apparently. Mm. Difficult. Is so, it? yeah, they obviously keep a register of who's been baptised. It's not as hard as resigning from Islam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dying. Yeah. So I've got a link to an article by this guy who, uh, after the Pell case started, decided that's it, I'm out of the Catholic faith, and he wrote to his parish where he had been baptised and said, I want you to remove my name from the register. And it was quite an effort. And um, so basically um, I'll just read some of this article here. Um, Yeah, it took him multiple letters to do it. He said, demands on the Sydney Archdiocese are best made with the backing of secular law. Under federal privacy law, Australian Privacy Principle 13 requires entities like the Catholic Church to correct personal information that is inaccurate, out of date, incomplete, irrelevant or misleading. An old baptismal entry ticks at least four of those five boxes. Faced with the threat of a civil complaint and being hauled before the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, the Archdiocese suddenly, after 10 months and 10 letters, relented. A photocopy of my baptismal entry, a register entry, arrived with a handwritten inscription of my own little uh, disassociation, quote, considers himself not a Catholic and wants to be dealt with as, wants not to be dealt with as one. So if you want to remove yourself from the baptismal list, you ha- need Have to. you? I haven't. Um, Would you? Would you both? I, I mean, can't be bothered. Yeah, what's the point? Um, what is the point? But. If you feel you've left the Catholic Church and you're really angry at what they've done, you might be motivated to do it. In overseas it's a bit like countries, divorce, really, isn't it? In, What's over- the point? Uh, in overseas countries, they um, they do it because tax is levied on you and is given to the church. In some countries, in some yes, European countries, some based country. on the number of members. It, it was a deal done with Hitler originally, 
where he did with the Vatican, where basically um, he got their approval and uh, he agreed in return to give 10% of their income to... I don't think it was 10%, but it was a small percentage of everyone's, Mm. like... Kind of like a tithing. Income. Oh, right, yeah. And if you wanted to stop paying this tithing, you had to resign from the church. But it's not that hard, apparently, like in countries like Germany. If you, you know, fill in the requisite document and submit it, you are actually freed of that obligation. It, it, it was tax. difficult and it's getting easier. So uh, a Finnish website Finland, Finland, Finland. has automated more than 730,000 resignations from Finland's two state churches since new freedom of, inf- freedom of religion laws were introduced in 2003. The same can be done in other places. So. So, yeah, important in some of those European countries because you actually pay extra tax on top of what you would normally pay mm. if you are registered in but a there's religion. No, there's no material difference in Australia. No. Though, is it's, no the, just, the Australian government would look more at the census data, wouldn't they? Yes. Yeah. That would, yeah. Was that this year? Well, it was 2016 was mm-hmm. the look. Yes. It was it this year? 16 was the last was one, it? was it? I think it was. Is it, is it four years or five years? Every four years or five years? It's no. five, I think. It must be every five. So mm. they haven't been talking about it and they haven't decided on the question again because I know re- the religious question mm. was up for grabs again because... Whether it's going to be a two-part question. Or yes, because uh, the sort of atheist secular side wanted the question to be, are you religious? If no, skip the next bit. If yes, nominate your religion rather than what has been the case, which is what is your religion? Should run a viewer poll. So, on get your guesses in as to what the numbers are going to be. Yes, <laughs> we will do that closer to the time. Scott and I were way off last time. We were far too optimistic. Oh, really? Yeah, we were. So, um, now just back to Catholics. Um, so, dear listener, the federal government um, sends a lot of money to private schools and to religious schools and the Catholic system. And with everybody except the Catholics, they write the cheque to the school and say, here's your cheque for our government funding from the federal government. With the Catholics, Mm. they write one cheque to Catholic head office. In the state? In the country? Well. Presumably. It might be. Maybe they write six or seven cheques to each state. Each state, Or they might write one cheque to central Catholic head office. Good is point. there, I'm not then sure. is there such a thing as central Catholic? I, I don't know. Maybe they do it. Uh, it's probably state, state basis. by state. Mm, Maybe yeah. I'm not sure. You would hope so. But rather than a check to every Catholic school, it's a check given to Catholic, to Catholic state head office Catholic or Catholic education. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're then to divide it amongst the schools. So you know what they do? They give the most to the poor schools. And they say to the rich schools, you don't really need it, guys. <laughs> oh, he's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's what they've been telling people. Because that's, that's the Christian way, isn't it? Look after the yeah. poor people. So Malcolm Turn. So, so There's probably a story from the, from the New Testament. That's what Jesus would do for yeah. this. So Malcolm Turnbull's latest autobiography refers to this scheme. Oh, yeah. and his discussions that he had with Catholic leadership. 
And, and he's now a practicing Catholic, isn't he? Is he? Mm, I, I believe so. Oh, that's I, disappointing. I think he swapped to Anglican to match up with his wife, I thought. Or maybe he was Anglican and swapped to Catholic. Yeah, I, I can't remember which it, one it was. Yeah. So, um, so in his book, uh, he was astonished to find out that the reverse was true. He says, surprise, um, surprise. now he's talking about a guy, Fisher. Um, who would that be? Um, Archbishop Fisher. Um, he, Fisher, explained that the problem with our needs-based model was that more funding would go to schools in the poorer outer suburbs of Sydney and country New South Wales. And Turnbull said, I was astonished. But don't you do that now? There was a long pause. <laughs> Malcolm, if your reforms go through, it would mean that the fees of St Francis School in Paddington would have to go up, which is <sighs> the one in the Turnbull area. Um, have to sell a Range Rover. Yeah. So One of the Range Rovers. <laughs> mm. Turnbull wrote that he explained that government funding, he was prepared to write, um, let me just see, he was prepared to write one cheque to the Catholics, mm. but he wanted transparency as to where the money was going. Yeah. He wanted to actually say, because we don't know, we write a cheque yeah, to the Catholic Church and we it? have yep. no idea how it is distributed to the mm. schools at the moment. And so Turnbull said, I'll give you one cheque, but you're going to have to show what schools get what. And this uh, archbishop said, um, well, Morrison said, if they wanted to subsidise fees in posh areas at the expense of schools in poor areas, they were free to do that. Oh, come on, Malcolm, said Fisher. You know once you tell people how the government has assessed need and shown how much each school would get, we could never get away with it. People would say <laughs> we were shortchanging poor schools to benefit the rich ones. Turnbull wrote that at one point Archbishop Fisher argued schools in his Wentworth electorate were needier because the parents had bigger mortgages. <laughs> and more Range Rovers to pay off. So the the people in the bush needed to just get bigger mortgages, and yeah. they would have got more of the funding. Yeah. Simple. So that's so just the Catholics, the Anglican schools, all the other all religious the schools, it's different just, rules. Yep. How is that not discrimination? Yeah. Yep. How is that not immoral? Mm. You know, I mean, from the arbiters, self-appointed arbiters of morality, we get that. You know. Mm. Yep. And. Finally, which sort of harks back to what we were talking about earlier, um, Jan Stuckey, former Queensland MP, was interviewed by the National Secular Lobby. Recently resigned. Mm, mm. She resigned. And the Secular Lobby had a bit of a Q&A with her and they said mm. they posed this question to her and said, from the outside there appears to be a significant conservative bloc within the LNP whose members hold strong religious beliefs and act upon these in their policy making. What's your view of this observation? Do you think there is in general any problem with mixing religion with politics? And Jan Stuckey, former Queensland MP, said, that's a true assessment, and those with conservative religious views are often very vocal and try to sway others to their beliefs and thinking. I've experienced this on more than one occasion, sometimes in a mild-mannered way, and other times with considerable forcefulness. I was once bailed up against a wall in Parliament prior to a vote. So um, she said at another point here, um, 
what I've seen in recent years could be described as intimidating behaviour towards elected representatives, coupled with extensive advertising and campaigning. Um, she said, I'm sure MPs would have concerns, but they may lose their seats. So there we go. Hmm. Confirming what we yeah. suspected. The religious around. takeover of, and we were talking earlier about the Chinese Communist Party and its differences with us and how you've got to be in the system. Hmm. Well, the real problem now is yeah. you have to be a strong religious person to fit in with the religious power brokers who are overtaken the Liberal Party in the various states. So isn't that an argument for rather than joining the Labor Party, we should go and sign up to the Liberal Party and, you know, make a stand for secularism? Too late. Too late. Do you think so? Yep. yep. They've got it. Why is it too late? Because uh, they control it already. We'll take back control. You won't get... Are you with me, Warren? No, um, I think your idea needs further discussion, though, because, I mean, you've joined the Labor Party, haven't you, Trevor? Yes. haven't yeah. been to a meeting yet because they don't have physical meetings Where's your yet. passion, Trevor? Yeah. Well, it was on a Wednesday night and I've had other things on, <laughs> incredibly. Um, but, yeah, I, I would think that you could have just as much influence by trying to penetrate the other side. You, you'd disagree? Look, I just think they have taken over and it's too late and mm. you can't rustle up the troops now. They'll, they will um, fight you off. So um, mm. the, the religious groups have oh. I've got control. Do you want to try? Do you want to try? I, I would Paul? guess. Yeah, I would guess, and I don't want to join either of those parties, but I would guess that there are quite a lot of Come on, fairly, fun. Yeah, it might be. Fairly affluent, you know, well-educated intelligent people who are probably inclined to vote for the conservative parties but who would be quite disturbed if they knew that it was, you know, controlled by religious elements well, and well, who might be motivated enough to join the Liberal Party. And Well, those people have been leaving the Liberal Party. So well, they've been watching this religious takeover of the party. So people who were members have gone, yeah. these religious nutters have taken over, yeah. I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. I personally would encourage everybody mm. to join a party of some mm. kind and get involved, and particularly people who are secular-minded, to join a party and get involved. Mm. That's how you change a political system is mm. by participation. Yes. I just think that, you know, there'd be ebbs and flows, you know, the the, the right-wing Christian conservative aspect of the Liberal Party might have an ascendancy now, but it'll, you know, it'll ebb and it'll flow and, you know. Well, what's the counterforce to that movement at the moment? Uh, logic and reason. They're in short supply. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why, that's why people with logic and reason have got to join yeah. the party, you know. And encourage others to as well. Yeah. I'd like to see a re-evaluation of priorities in the education system because I heard a politician the other day or read who was saying, you know, after this COVID crisis, it's more important than ever that our school, school children are learning the skills that will get them jobs. I mean, I heard that right through my career as a teacher. Our kids need skills that will get them jobs. You know, 
to hell with understanding the world and how society mm. works and, you know, where we came from, why we live in a, an affluent, relatively free democracy. Mm. To hell with all of that. The kids don't need to understand that. All they need, according to some educators, is to get a job. Mm. I mean, their, their priorities are mm. way off. Mm. I think kids need to learn to be people, to be humans, to be members of a society. Mm. up to at least year 10. Mm. Maybe in year 11 and 12 they can start to study specialised subjects that uh, are more in line with their personal interests or inclinations. But up to year 10, I wouldn't give them any electives. I would, yeah, if I was the Minister of Education, I would be prescribing what kids need to study to become fully formed people in mm. a functioning society. Adults. They need unsupervised play. That's what they need. That's what's lacking. They need that too. But Well, uh, I often criticise America, as you know, <laughs> no. in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> Do you? But the American university system, as I understand it, your first year is sort of a generalist. Um, yeah, that's my understanding. Japan as well. well. The first uh, two years in yeah, Japan yeah, it is might general even be two studies. in America. I'm not sure, but it's certainly... Yeah much more generalist than ours yes. rather than heading into your specialised subjects. You exactly. do these general They arts. get a liberal education yes. for the first year mm. or two yes. and then after that they specialise. Yes. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it does. So there you go. There's something <laughs> positive to come out of that country. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anne in the chat room says, should we have a secular faction of the Labor Party? Yes, Anne. Join up and, a and we'll create faction. a secular faction. It's all about factions. I mean, all mm. politics is about factions and groups and mounting your group. So, mm. um, which faction favors. are you going to join, Trevor? Well, um, uh, you'll have to find one. Yeah, to find one, make my own <laughs> faction up. You should. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to your feedback. Right. When you get yeah. on to your first meeting. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think they're doing Zoom meetings now, but oh. sort of. Um, been busy with other things, but yeah. I'll, be, I'll get to it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, gentlemen, I've come to the end of my list of topics. Did you have any And Mrs. Fist hasn't even popped her head through no, the door tonight. She's left us alone. So, yep. Thanks, <laughs> Mrs. Fist. Yep. <laughs> um, right. Um, Bat says, join the left, Trev. Well, uh, it would be the left rather than the right, wouldn't it? <laughs> Bat Mel. So, yeah. Is there yeah. a listener called yeah. Bat? Bat Mel. So, yes. Bat. Who's. Uh, yeah, and she said earlier that in the police here would have told them to put their weapons down. Um, so I don't know any bats. Right, I think it's I think it's a pseudonym for oh, really? something else here. Oh, okay. So, g'day, bat. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, there we go. Well, the listener was well, good. I'm ready for an interview. I have to find somebody to interview. I think. If you think of somebody that should Greg be on this Sheridan. podcast, yeah, <laughs> female voice on this podcast. <laughs> Yes, be good. So, if I've been asking some people, and they're like, "No." What about Jackie right. Lambie? <laughs> Give her a call. That'd be entertaining. I'd yeah. listen to that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll need to do an interview at some point soon. I think. So anyway, well, not sure what will be on next week, but there'll be something. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks for Very listening. Well. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, thanks everyone. See you. Bye. Hi, dear listeners, Deep Throat here. I need your help to help Australia. For more years than I can remember, I have been participating in flu tracking organised by the University of Newcastle. 
It is a simple weekly symptom reporting program to track the flu. So each Monday during the flu season, I complete a six-second survey sent to me by email. This year, they have started early and also added extra questions this week to cover COVID-19. This is another way to supply vital information about what is happening in the community. But to increase sensitivity and locality specificity, they need more numbers this year. So please help. The flu kills up to 3,000 Australians per year, so hospitals cannot deal with this on top of COVID-19. Interestingly, in the five weeks since it started this year, there have been a drop in flu-like symptoms reported. Maybe social distancing is having an impact on the usual lurgies that go around. You can participate by going to www.flutracking.net. Flu tracking is all one word. Thank you and stay safe. Deep throat, over and out. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event. You can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation, so you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks. Thanks.